And welcome back to Restless. Even though it's not Halloween, we're going to talk about some creepy things today. <laughs> My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you have joined Joe, Carmelina, and Lauren as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of this spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. Indeed, since the very beginning, it's been a battle between good and evil, but evil is not just some generic thing. The church has always taught that there is an actual evil being out there, the evil one, the devil and his minions, who at one time, do you know the story of like how they fell? Tell us the story. Oh, Joe. I'm sure I'll get, well, <laughs> he's, he's nodding. So. I mean, my, my understanding was always that um, it was essentially a disagreement over the idea of Christ becoming man, right? That, that the evil one didn't like the idea of, of God becoming man and then being like sort he of subject to He would not man. serve right, God as serve man. Him. Yeah. Right. Disagreement. Disagreement is not the right very word, but, you know, um, <laughs> slight, more, A slight More than a misunderstanding. Gentlemen. Right? But it was essentially the, the pride of, of Lucifer, who was, of course, the light bearer, right? Was one of, one of, the, one of the chief angels right. in God's heavenly army. Exactly. Exactly. And don't all angels, what distinguishes them from partly from humans is that they all only get one choice to either follow God or to follow Lucifer. Yes. But we can continue to reconcile ourselves back to God. And the reason why is because we're, first of all, we're impacted by our body. Like, you know, sometimes we're tired, hungry, <laughs> angry, you know, and all these emotions, which are on the bottom level of the body, but also, um, when when an uh, angel makes a choice, they can foresee all of the consequences of that choice. So they're not just choosing the choice; they're choosing everything that's coming after that. We don't do that, right? I drink too much one night. I'm not choosing the hangover, right? I'm like. Meanwhile, Father Joseph doesn't drink. I don't drink. Yeah, just to be clear. Do you choose a hangover? <laughs> no, I just no. didn't want people to get the wrong idea. <laughs> yeah, no. But imagine the pride it takes then to foresee the good that comes from Christ's incarnation and still think, man, no, that's not for me. That's pretty <laughs> breathtaking, right? That's uh, pretty crazy. It is. Well, it it's is. because I, I would think um, we are so beneath the angels, right? In the angels' eyes. So that's why it, it's just impossible, right, for Lucifer to serve God as man. Yeah. Yeah. Like you worshiping an ant. Right. But was it you over break who was talking about that guy? You were listening to some podcast about some guy that wanted to, that was going to serve the devil? Oh, yeah. Um, Matt Frad on Pints with Aquinas interviewed an exorcist, and he was telling a story that um, I don't remember how he came upon this person because obviously he, he didn't seek him out, but this man had decided to like pursue and court relationships with demons. And so um, the ultimate conclusion of the story was the exorcist saying, well, I obviously, well, he's saying like, well, you know, if you die right now, you know, you're going to go to hell for eternity. And he said, well, that's, that's fine because I want to spend eternity with the friends I've made who are these demons in hell. And it's like, yeah, you can't exercise that. I mean, you can't, because that's, that's, that's against the will. I mean, this person's will is aligned with this possession. It's not against his will. And it wasn't like a one-time invitation in, which is a pretty horrifying idea. Yeah. So you, so you sit there and think about like all the consequences of what hell is for eternity. Right. And some people still choose it. So he must, this person must have been con fooled by one of these demons that, no, it's actually, it's all like what you've heard is a lie. Like it's actually, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be great. Like you're going to have so much fun or whatever. And like, really? You know. you think so? Well, sadly, well, I think that the culture now is um, starting to glorify hell in new ways, you know, like, you know, like we're all going to burn in hell. Like it's a party in hell and, and you can see people making them look like the devil, like with filters and stuff on social media. Yeah, but though, I don't think those people are like picturing hell. I mean, they're, they're, they're just picture. I think what they're picturing is, I want to live a life of abandon, 
and license, so I'm gonna do whatever I want, and then hell it won't be that bad. But but like that's my point though, is I mean if you're actually picturing eternal pain like eternal pain and suffering separated from God, like that can't be what you're picturing when you're like, Yes, I'm gonna be friends with Beatles. Like this, this can't be I just can't I cannot maybe it is, I don't no, know. I, I, I think can't you're like, right. get in the head of so I can't imagine myself being like like I stub my toe and I'm like heaven's a better choice than eternal pain. Like I can't imagine like I can't imagine like I'm gonna tolerate so much pain be friends with these with these serpents and I it's crazy to me but maybe I'm I don't know maybe no, I, I, I think you're right I, I think people have no idea what hell is yeah. but the culture is starting to make it seem like it's fun or like that's the the cool choice right so people are going for it and yet but they can in different ways like kind of already be living in hell they may not know it like they may have already given their soul to hell and and um they have no idea what is coming for them and I mean how do we know I I mean I've heard things from like Marino Restrepo, who was, oh yeah, he, he he's talked a, a bit about hell, you know. Um, and one detail I remember is that um, the souls in hell don't have their voice anymore, you know. Hmm. And like in heaven, we're gonna glorify God with our voices and like beautiful song, but in hell, it's just, you know, they can't even speak. It's mm. just, and then people that they have. Um, like mortally sinned with, like in sexual ways, their their souls are like entwined together. Ooh, which is it sort of makes sense. It's hard to understand that, but you know the the union right between a marriage, of a man and a woman is spiritual and yeah. good. So when you distort it, there is like an eternal ramification for that. Whoa, yeah, I've never heard that. I never thought about. Would that. you ever read Dante's Inferno? Would I? Or have, have you? Have you? Is that a school we maybe read in school? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <'Cause> probably. <laughs> Not a Greenwich High School. I know. Oh, then no. Not a public school. Well, it's um, it's so it's Dante's Divine Comedy. It's 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 three books, right? Um, about hell, purgatory, and heaven, and his journey through them. If you read, you must have read it, Father. No, I'm. Oh, okay. I've read I've read it, I've read it a little while. It's it's. I didn't um, read ninety five percent of what I should have. Well, written it's it's also like school. written in like medieval <laughs> Italian, translated, which was, it's, it, and it's all written in poetry. But that's part of it. Is everybody's when you as you travel through hell he sort of like comes upon like this is the suicide section this is the infidelity section whatever and they're all punished sort of according to their sins um pretty it's, it's, it's an interesting read to just really quickly two of the two of the parts i found most interesting one is he comes across a pope who was awful in some way i don't remember how he delivers like this tirade at the end of which he says something to the effect of like, um, and if it weren't for those saintly keys, I would keep going, which is like, he's like, I'd like to keep complaining about you, but you're the Pope. So I call, <laughs> I call myself back, which is kind of funny. And, and but, but what's, what's most startling is because, you know, lava rivers, demons, p- pitchforking people back into all this stuff. But then as you get to the end, it just gets cold and cold and cold and cold until finally you see Satan chained down, flapping his wings. And from his wings is coming this cold gust of air. And I think um, Judas and maybe Brutus are chained to him. Um, but the whole thing is like separated from God's love. You're you're, you're freezing, right? You're like you're, you're like you're, mm. not, you're not. It's not hellfire. Ultimately, it's the punishment. It's the coldness of separation from God. So we talk about a cold heart, yeah. Because ultimately, it's pride. That's the worst of the sins. That's that's one thing that I did take from. I've dabbled in it, but yeah. you know, the least the least serious of the mortal sins, if you can have a category, is the sins of the flesh, because it's the sin of weakness versus the sin of pride, which is the most serious. Yeah, it's an intellectual sin, which is why Satan. Is the worst right. of the worst. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway, so we were, <laughs> so we were continuing to talk. Uh, you know, we had a, we had an episode already on on kind of spiritual warfare, and we wanted to kind of talk more about that because uh, there were a couple of incidents. You know, we were bringing up uh, as, as we were preparing for this episode that we actually have had um, more experiences with Satan than than we thought, and just kind of sharing it because a it's interesting, 
But B, more importantly, it can be instructive to us about, you know, how to fight Satan and what to look for, you know, in our own daily life. So, Carmelina, you had one that was very interesting that I got a little involved in. Yes, you did. Um, so I had moved into a new townhome with two people. Lauren included. And before we had all moved in together, I moved in first. And the plan was always to get the home blessed. You know, that's something that you should do if you haven't already. And so I was kind of just holding off until I unpacked all the boxes and everything was appropriate for a priest to come over and bless the home. Uh, But quickly after I moved in, I, I just experienced a lot of uneasiness and I was having trouble sleeping at night. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm just adjusting to a new place. And then I started noticing some weird other things happening, like I would walk into my bathroom and the sink would be on, or I would be downstairs and the doors started closing upstairs. And um, I really just kind of said, you know, I'm home by myself most of the day because I was working totally remote at the time. And I thought, okay, maybe I'm just being dramatic. And until one day, I, I didn't tell anybody, my other roommate who had moved in already, I didn't say anything to her about it because I thought it was just in my head. And um, my friend from out of town was visiting and she was a focused missionary for two years, incredibly well formed. Um, She's a doctor. And I say all of this stuff to say that she is very rational, very reasonable, very intelligent, very spiritual. And we were all gathered around the breakfast table getting ready to go to mass one Sunday morning until we were sitting there and this music started playing. And it sounded like it was from a music box. It was like classical music. And we just kind of all went silent. And at that time, no TVs were plugged in. No electronics were hooked up. All of our phones were on us and on silent. And I looked at my roommate and I said, "Uh, can you turn your phone alarm off, please? And she said, that's not my alarm. And so I checked all the TVs and I looked at my friend who was a missionary and I said, what was that? And she said, get the priest in here right now. And then, that's literally all she said. She's like, get the priest in here right now, because it sounded like it was coming from the room that we were in. And so I went upstairs and I put my scapular back on and then she kind of laughed at me for that. <laughs> and I was like, it can't hurt me. No, definitely not. <laughs> and um, so then Father Joseph came over and he was so ready to go. And um, we did the whole exercise salt and everything. did all of it. It was, it. Like, it was great. Yeah. And it was it was so great. And we felt so much peace in the home after. And he said, well, you really should try and figure out where this is coming from. And I thought, there is no way. There's no way I'm ever going to know because I don't know the property manager. I'm not just going to ask him like, hey, I think this place was haunted. What do you think could have caused it? Like, were they doing any weird stuff in here before we moved in? He's not going to know. Until I think it was a day later, I just happened to pull out of the building and there was a psychic right across the street that I never noticed before. And I immediately texted Father Gill. I was like, there's a psychic across the street. And he said, yep, that was probably what was bringing in everything. So, yeah, but no issues since. Experienced a lot of peace. Um, is I, the psychic still there? Or did they shut down? Psychic is still there. They're yes. still there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Creepy, but. That's our next spiritual warfare. Yes. The psychic. <laughs> Yep. So thank you. Thanks for your help. Well, this stuff is is not uncommon. Lauren, you had a, another story too. Yeah, another one I realized. So as I have shared, I'm supposed to do 30 minutes of silent prayer every day and I don't really do it. <laughs> and I'm very busy and like I have all this stuff going on. And every time I have spiritual direction, I'm asked, how's your prayer time? How's your prayer time? Right. And I finally revealed that I have fear over spending like 
that much time with God for him to like reveal a plan to me that's like too hard or call me to something that I don't want to do. So I'm kind of avoiding him, <laughs> which seems silly, right? But um, yeah. So Try to I, avoid the God of the universe. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that one. No. But yeah, so Sister Antonia was like, well, you know, the devil knows this, right, about you. And this is another thing that I'll just add is like, that's like an internal thing that I've been struggling with. I don't know that I've actually verbalized it, but as soon as we like say anything, the devil knows it and we all just blab out so much. So like, that's another thing I think to just keep in mind, like don't reveal everything because the devil is listening and he can't read your mind. We talked about him, you know, penetrating thoughts, but he can't read your mind. So anyway, but you know, my spiritual director was like, well, yeah, this is like a subconscious thing and he doesn't even have to do that much to try to pull you out of that time. Um, he can just plan it in little ways or just constantly use, oh, you're too busy, you're too busy, right, for 30 minutes a day, or, oh, I'm too tired today, or, oh, I, you know, um, had spiritual direction, or I went to, you know, um, like daily mass today, so I don't have to spend this time with him, right? So he can just play up on it because he knows it's something that I, like, you know, I'm struggling with, I guess. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, is that, definitely. Is that, I've never heard that before. Is that true that the devil can't, can know our thoughts only can can we hear what we say or intrude on our thoughts um you know actually i don't know look into that as well i do know the devil does not know the future yeah the devil's just an extremely good guesser interesting so he 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 can kind of figure it out like for me one of the one of the types of one of the oppressions that i i experienced which was uh really quite bizarre was um, when I was in Stanford, I had to give a talk in Danbury. And it's about a 45-minute drive. It was a Saturday afternoon, no big deal. And uh, so I started heading out like an hour and 15 minutes because I want to get there early. And literally every single time, like every single road I'd turn onto, there would be a car coming out traveling 10, 10 miles below the speed limit. And so I'd turn off that road, and the next car would come right out and be 10 miles below the speed limit. I'm like, what is going on here? Every single road I turn onto, it's getting so late. So I ended up taking an hour and 15 minutes and I ran into the talk about 15 seconds before it was supposed to start. The guy who was introducing me was like, well, we really hope he shows up. Um, <laughs> we're not sure where he is. And I'm, ah, here we go. Okay, ready, let's go. So I give this talk. About two months later, I get this phone call from someone who says, you know, we saw your talk online. We'd like you to come out and do a bunch of like videos for us and I was like, what talk online? I have no idea. I didn't give, do a talk online. Apparently that talk had been recorded and has been seen about 800,000 times. Wow. Yeah. And was the rosary talk you did? It was the rosary talk, yeah. Yeah. And talk, I liked it. And, well, I, I'm sorry, I liked it. I did. <laughs> I wish I was a little bit more uh, put together when I gave it. I was totally flustered walking in there. But I'm like, oh, you know, so the, the devil didn't know that it was going to get seen 800,000 times, but he certainly knew I was doing the talk. Mm-hmm. He'd probably seen the paper that was sitting on my, you know, on my, on the, the car in the car with the talk on it so he was going to try in any way possible to make me miss it right or even like as you said you were flustered so maybe you didn't deliver it yeah as perfectly or as exactly you know exactly but yeah some some exciting stuff so why i mean before we get into more great stories why does the devil allow or why does god allow the devil i mean he could have just destroyed the devil in the beginning like what I mean, so much suffering has come about because of the evil one tempting others to sin and, and the violence and the wars and the, you know, why is the devil even still around? Why doesn't God just destroy him? Well, I think that has to be because of free will, correct? Right? If we're all free, that means the devil is free as well. 
yeah, but the, but God holds him back a certain extent. Mm. That's true. What I've heard is, you know, um, the devil acting can help us to see God's will as well, right? Um, and it can bring us closer to him and God's will can act through that, right? So, you know, if we're talking about some type of like a physical suffering, um, we are sanctified by that in how we handle the suffering, correct? Right? So the devil may be trying to ruin your life by giving you this diagnosis that you would have never expected, let's say like Lou Gehrig's disease, right? It's awful. Your, your whole body becomes paralyzed over time until you die. Um, but that's also a great opportunity for grace, Right. Because I mean, and it's almost it's like a perfect example. Right. Because your body, the limitations just take over. You can no longer do anything but just lay in a bed. So you have your thoughts, you know, the people around you and God, hopefully. Yeah. Right. And even beyond physical suffering, the spiritual by us fighting the devil, I think we become spiritually stronger. Mm-hmm. And also more of what we're meant to be. I mean, look at like the book of Job. I mean, you know, he he knew. Uh, you know, Job knew about God's favor for him and God's love for him, but like he didn't, I don't think he, it seems to me that didn't really like click until he lost everything that God had given him. He realized he still loved God, even though, mm. you know, even though he was robbed of all these things, you know? Yeah. And that speaks to his faith, right? Sure. That like faith is stronger than the, the tribulations of life, because if we're truly faithful and we believe, then we know about our eternity. Yeah. And some of the saints were made saints or in, it certainly helped on their path to sanctity because of the devil. You were you were talking about who was your favorite saint? I can't. I uh, can, Saint Veronica Juliana. That's right. What was so? How did the devil like impact her? Yeah. So she was a mystic. So she had a lot of mystical experiences, uh, both from God and from the devil. And one of the things was she. One of her miracles was she actually wrote a ten thousand page journal. And oh the gosh. fact that it was 10,000 pages is a miracle in and of itself. And the When does she find the time? Well, that's the, uh, <laughs> that's the miracle. And the interesting part is I think the last third of it is actually in the third person because it said that Our Lady actually wrote that last piece of it um, through her, which is really interesting. And I, I have a copy of her journal at, in my home. It's in Italian. Is it like... Um, it's it's but, shortened. But yeah, it's shortened. But yeah, but it, you can read it and Nine you can volumes. purchase it on Amazon. It exists. Um, yeah. And the, the last part of it is in third person, which is really interesting. But one of the ways that the devil would try and stop her from doing this work was he would appear to her as a cat and essentially just like attack her um, and talk to her and tell her she shouldn't be doing this and just pre- trying to do everything he could to physically prevent her from continuing her her work. Mm. Mm hmm. I think of the great example of St. John Vianney, of course, who he could always know that a great sinner was going to come to confession the following day because sometimes his bed would light on fire spontaneously. He would hear shrieks and howls keeping him up at night. He would have um, wild animals in his room, you know, which of course was the evil one. And he recognized that. And so he would take a few blows and then <laughs> fight back. And Padre Pio too, you know, would come out sometimes with bruises on his eyes and things from, from physical battles against Satan. Wow. It's just part of their sanctity. Maybe that goes back to why does God allow these things? Because those stories of incredible triumph over the evil one are also inspiring to believers. Mm. And so in some ways it's like, yeah, you know, Padre Pio had to go through these things, but like that makes the story even more compelling and all that more effective for the people's conversions in their spiritual lives. So here's a question for you. Is God, is Satan going to try harder against someone that's holy or someone that's mediocre or someone that's a sinner? So I, this is actually also in the book that I, that I had read that I talked about before, but um, 
I don't know actually the answer to that question, but it says that God manifests himself regardless of the holiness of the person. Like look at St. Paul, for instance. Mm. Um, It's more of God manifesting, I'm trying to say this right, like God manifesting himself because through that person, he will work a greater good, Mm. um, potentially for the conversion of, of more people. And those people, you know, that he manifests himself through can be converted in, in, in like through that. But after their conversion, they still have the choice as to whether they're going to follow him. So what about the devil? Does the devil go after holy people more than? Well, sounds the, like it. If Padre, I mean, if Padre probably. Pio is experiencing these things and, you know, random, random people. Maybe more aggressively. Yeah. I'd say absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Because when the devil can get a priest to fall, he can, therefore yeah. possibly get his entire parish to fall. If he can get a bishop mm-hmm. to fall, he can get his whole diocese. If he can get the Pope to fall, the whole faith mm. is fractured. And this is why I believe the bishop has an extra guardian angel and the Pope has two I've heard a priest does too, actually. Guardian, okay. Then priest that, as that. well. I mean, they say that he who saves a priest saves a thousand souls. That by, you know, then if he who, you know, uh, makes a priest fall from grace could potentially endanger a thousand souls or more, right? Yeah, sure. And just look at what you've already shared. You have had physical attacks you know, yeah, I don't want to say that I'm a saint. Yeah, but you're, <laughs> you're so holy. No, that's not true. I've never heard of anyone having a physical spiritual attack. I would bet most of our listeners haven't. No, but I think the physical attacks are um, are not nearly as bad as the spiritual ones. Because mm-hmm. Satan Satan works best and most effectively when he's not seen. Mm-hmm. When he's seen, you know, you know who he is. You know. Yeah. So, are you talking about desolations? Or temptations, or like Joe was saying in the last episode about like just cutting corners, compromises. Yeah, or yeah, the way he yeah the way he twists your intellect to make you think that what is obviously permissible is permissible for you alone. Right? Somehow you're an exception to the <laughs> to the divine law. Yeah. You had shared that you went through a pretty severe desolation for months, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, I I don't know what that's like. That sounds extremely difficult, right? To feel separated from God. It's hard to know if that was from God or from the evil one. Right. That could be a grace too. It was, yeah. I mean, in the long run, it was great grace. But Yeah. Like the dark night of the soul. Yeah, but not, <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> Trust me. So you had uh, some more exorcism stories, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll share the one, I'll share real quickly about, so I'm, I'm now, um, the parochial administrator of St. Jude's Parish in Monroe, which is a very interesting town. Um, it has a museum to the paranormal. It was it used to be run by a guy, uh, a couple named Ed and Lorraine Warren, who have both been deceased. Um, but they, so I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Conjuring. It's a, I guess based on- I haven't on, seen it, but I heard of it. scary movies. I, yeah, I don't watch it either, but it's based on a true story, I guess, about a, a doll that was possessed. And the, it was the, in the true story that, that Annabelle doll resides in Monroe, Connecticut. Where, where and I still started. resides there. Uh, apparently, yeah. Because okay. in this museum that they used to have for paranormal, weird, wacky, bizarre stuff. So, so one day I was driving in Monroe and I ran a stop sign. I was going two miles an hour, okay? Like I slowed down <laughs> not, enough. Not you. Not you. down far. enough. <laughs> the cop pulled me over. And I was kind of mad, but he, you know, he's like, all right, I'll just give you a warning, but can you answer a theological question for me? Interesting. <laughs> it's like, okay. So he pulls out his smartphone and shows me a picture of a guy in a graveyard. He's like, what does this look like? I'm like, a guy in a graveyard. And he's like, yeah, well, that's what we thought too when we got this call a couple of years ago. And uh, so we went to go check it out. And um, 
we found this guy. It was like three in the morning. And like this guy was in the graveyard, and they're like, he's like, get out of here, get out. What are you doing in this graveyard? And the man starts to walk away and vanished into thin air. And there was snow on the ground because I guess it was January. And they went over and see where his footprints led, and there were no footprints. And I was like, that's creepy, weird, you know, so all kinds of bizarre stuff. And so I guess, you know, there's this haunted graveyard. So I go over there and uh, I'm like, I'm going to bless this graveyard with exercised holy water and exercised salt. And so I start sprinkling all the corners with the holy water and salt all around the perimeter. And I had a little salt left over. And so I'm kind of like, you know, I don't know, where should I, where should I put this? And I hear this crow going nuts over on the corner of the graveyard. And I'm like, what's going on? So I go over to that corner of the graveyard that I hadn't really explored. And the crow was sitting on the grave of Ed and Lorraine Warren. I'm like, man, this is creepy weird. Mm-hmm. Were you by yourself? I was by myself, but it was the middle of the day. It was not like okay. middle of the night. So I, you know, sprinkled the exercise salt. This graveyard, by the way, is right next, it's right next to uh, a schismatic Catholic church. And it's right across the street from a black magic shop. What does schismatic Catholic church mean? Not communion with Rome. Set of, are they set of Acacus? They're set of Acantus, yeah. So set of Acantus, they believe that there is no pope. There has been no pope for Latin for the seat. Seven the, seat. the chair is empty. Seat's empty, yeah. They okay. thought that once Vatican II happened, there were no more legitimate popes after that. Okay. So they're super, super traditional in like a really bad way. Okay. Except for the parts where Peter's authority, I guess that's not that tradition going yeah. out, right out the window. But. Yeah. So a couple, of, a couple of weeks later, uh, some of the young adults in our community, Sam and Nick, um, came up to have dinner with me in the restaurant that's right next to the Black Magic Shop. So, <laughs> so have, Who picked the restaurant? It was a, it's a really great restaurant. Oh, okay. like, stuff in Monroe is like half price compared to Stanford. Man, you get a good meal nice. for like 15 bucks. It's awesome. You should come up. Yeah, anyway. Totally. Anyway, so after dinner, I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to like pray some exorcism prayers over this building. So we start, you know, praying prayers of deliverance. I bless it with the salt and the holy water and everything. So I start driving off and um, Sam calls me on the phone as I'm driving out of the parking lot. And he's like, oh my gosh, Father, you'll never guess what we just saw. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, there was a black cat with yellow eyes that ran out from underneath the shop when you blessed it. <laughs> Apparently, as soon as I drove away, it's a black cat. So, yeah. So weird, wacky stuff going Creepy. on in Monroe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it made me, I mean, you know, as a priest, you, you do deal with this quite a bit. I've, I've helped with an exorcism. I'm not an exorcist. We do have one in our diocese, but his, he is a uh, secret Okay. And that's in part so that people that have mental illness don't seek him out, you know, as, a, as the first recourse. I see. But, um, can you share a little bit about any experiences you've had with that? Yeah, it was, it was certainly wild. I certainly learned a lot about spiritual uh, warfare and spiritual authority. So he, the, the child was about 12 years old. As I mentioned in a previous episode, he was, uh, he was conceived as part of a satanic ritual. And when he was born, he was consecrated. To the in, from the womb to Satan, and oh. his his blood was mingled with the blood of animal sacrifices, and you know, and so as part of the exorcism ritual, you the exorcist addresses the demon, and the demons have to obey authority. So if if the exorcist says, you know, tell me your name, tell me how you got in there, tell me how many are you, the demon has to tell the truth, and so that's how the demon revealed all these things because uh, the child didn't have any memory of it, but uh, yeah, the demons. Oh, so you learned this from the demon? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, when he was about 12 years old, demons started to manifest themselves through him. He started, his voice started to change. He would um, speak in different languages. He would know the unconfessed sins of everybody in the room, like all kinds of 
all kinds of very, very strange uh, things would be going on. And it was one of the things that struck me the most is that if the father, if the, you know, the foster father, the adoptive father would say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be silent, the demon would listen. And if the mother said it, the demon would keep like, and just like, you know, thrash and flail. Because it really struck me that, you know, the, the father is the spiritual head of the house and his father has the spiritual authority in the house, which I didn't fully appreciate until that time. Wow. But uh, so the, the exorcism itself was a 40 day process. He did uh, three days of exorcism, four days of exorcism at the beginning, with which the exorcism is a prayer that the church prays. So it's not, you don't make it up as you go along. You just go through the ritual. There's a little bit of flexibility in terms of you do ask certain questions of the demon. You see how um, the demon reacts to certain things. Like you put a crucifix on the forehead, a crucifix on the back, holy water, uh, other sacramentals. And you see like what, what gets a, a reaction out of the demon because for some it's just different things. And so after four days, then the child and his father had to fast and pray for the next 32, 33 days. And this was really intense. This kid, 12, 13 years old at this point, had to fast for fast intensely and pray for six hours a day. Wow. Every day. Because, like if, an, if, if someone's an alcoholic, they can't walk past a bar without being tempted. That's always going to be a weak spot for them. You and I can walk past a bar without feeling drawn in. You know, but so for him, he was the opportunity for the devil to get back in was always very present. He has to always be vigilant. Like he couldn't watch the exorcist and be okay. That would be an invitation. Mm-hmm. We can do that. That's right. how, you know, it's, I mean, as long as you know, you're prudent about it. So at the end, the exorcist came back. At the time, we did not have an exorcist in the diocese. So we had to fly one in from Texas and one from Boston. Uh, one was a priest and one was a layman. And they did three more days of exorcism. And the last time, nothing came out. And you could always tell when the demon would come out, loud scream, usually a stench filling the room. Does the body contort itself? Yeah. Yeah. He, he did have superhuman strength. That was one thing I'll never forget. Mm. Um, he, was, he was, came to adoration one time. He actually came to Camp Veritas, this Catholic summer camp, and started, uh, first time he came to adoration, he started ripping Bibles, ripping rosaries, screaming, I hate God, I worship Satan. Did other kids see that? 500 kids saw that. Wow. wow. They were all freaked out. And it took be, be like in the Catholic newspaper somewhere or something. It seems like a big story. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> well, we want you know we want to respect, and I'm trying to be as vague as possible because yeah. we do want to respect the child's right. you know, privacy. They don't live in the Northeast anymore, but um, but you know <laughs> you don't want to go around being like, yeah, I was the possessed kid. It's like yeah, kind exactly. of an identity you don't want to have. Yeah. But you know what? Ama- what did amaze me is how much good God brought out of all that, mm-hmm. because this kid was fighting it with all his strength. We were all fighting it with prayer and fasting. It it brought to everyone's attention that spiritual warfare is real. And so everyone advanced in holiness through this entire process. What type of fast did you all do? Was it different for the child and the father versus you all? Well, I joined the child and the father for meals. Um, and it was like, it was, it was like regular food, but it was such a small portion. Mm-hmm. Like a 13-year-old growing boy would need like three times that. And he had to be okay with it. Yeah. But, wow. but again, God brings good out of everything. How was he able to stay disciplined in that? Because I feel like people are listening to that, like, I can barely fast for a weekend. How does yeah. a 13-year-old <laughs> fast for 30 days? Um, if you're motivated enough. Wow. If you know Satan's inside of you, mm-hmm. you're trying to get him out. Is that ultimately, was it actually a possession by Satan because he was consecrated to him, or was it a, a lesser demon? Uh, he had multiple demons yeah. within him. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, Who um, but, like determined that this fast was needed and for how long and how did... It was the exorcist's. 
Okay. So through his experience, I guess he, yeah. he knew. Because that strength, any fasting strengthens, strengthens the will. And the will is the main gate through which Satan could enter the soul. So. And then where does the demon go? Is it just, does it just go back into hell? Does it go into someone? Like, how does that? It doesn't go into someone else. Mm-hmm. No, it just goes back into hell. Yeah. So that scene at the end of the Exorcist movie, when the priest is like, oh, demon, come into me. Mm-hmm. That's not, first of all, you'd never do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yes, it, demons don't jump. Can demons possess more than one person at once? Or is it like one demon, one person? Is that why they're so rare? Because there's a finite number of demons in a that, that all be in one place at a time? That is an excellent question. Thank you. I don't know the, I don't know the answer to it. Huh. I do know that there's, I mean, there's many named demons in scripture. Yeah. There's also demons that come from tradition, the names, and there's demons that are named after vices, mm. lust and gluttony and pride. and So wow. it was very interesting. Yeah. Very eye-opening. Can I ask a controversial liturgical question about this? Please. <laughs> um, I have heard it said by the aforementioned pod, uh, podcast guest that um, one of the tricks that he would not tricks, one of the tools he would use is going back and forth between um, English prayers and Latin prayers or vernacular prayers and Latin prayers and um, exorcism in the ordinary form, the extraordinary form or whatever I'm supposed to say now. What is um, did, did the exorcist that you experienced, did he do the same thing or is it just vernacular? Was there a difference between the two prayers? Um, was there a difference? So I, I was not actually in on any of the exorcism oh, okay. Gotcha. So that was kind of a private sure. affair. Okay. But, so Makes I don't know sense. what language he used. Um, some exorcists say that that the devil hates Latin. Personally, I think the devil hates faith. So whatever language gives you greater faith and greater prayer, because right. you know it's not we're not making magical incantations right. by praying the exorcism prayer. We're yeah. asking God to do something, and we need to know what we're saying. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling anyway. But I'm not an exorcist, so <laughs> I'll defer to someone who is. Makes sense. Anyway, we are way over time, but thanks for <laughs> thanks for tuning into this episode of Restless, and uh, you can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, thirteen fifty AM and one hundred three point nine FM. That's my first time saying that. Excited to have that on FM. Tune in also wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. God bless you. <laughs>